What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. I greatly appreciate all the support everyone has been giving me week in and week out. If you want to help me, with that support, if you can go and give me a follow on my Instagram page at English Encore Podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. I post some cool graphics on there. I plan on be doing a giveaway in the next month. Um, I've just started releasing my own shirts. If you want to have any interest in that, you can message me or email me with my email that's in the bio um, for information or if you want to order one. And then you can always watch my previous Instagram live sessions, hoping to have some more in the upcoming weeks for everyone. Uh, for today's show, I'll be going through the Bills' 31-28 victory yesterday over the Miami Dolphins, as well as previewing their next week's game versus the 2-0 Los Angeles Rams. And then I'll be going into detail about the first move of the Kevin Adams era for the Buffalo Sabres as they acquired center Eric Stahl from the Minnesota Wild in exchange for forward Marcus Johansson. Um, so I'll be going into that. Um, starting off, though, with the Buffalo Bills, a really nice win yesterday, 31-28 over the Miami Dolphins um, in a really good back-and-forth game. You know, there was a delay because of lightning, so that wasn't great. Uh, a lot of fans couldn't even tune in for a little while because there was a power outage, so CBS uh, was down and you couldn't watch that game. Um, so... But overall, I'm just going to go through the positives and negatives of the game. We'll start off with the negatives. Um, Dawson Knox continues to have, you know, drop passes and fumbling issues. He did leave the game with concussion, so hopefully he'll recover well. Um, it's just the same thing that we said last year, though, that, you know, Dawson Knox is going to be a big part of this offense, and he has shown the ability to make a lot of tough contested catches. We saw it last week against the Jets. He had a really nice, tough, contested catch down the sideline um, along the left hash, but, you know, it's the same thing. He makes a good catch, runs downfield, and then he gets the ball stripped and fumbled. And, you know, if that's going to be continued trend going forward, it's going to be a problem for the Bills, you know. Even though we have Stephon Diggs and John Brown and Beasley and they're clicking, and Devin Singletary can do some nice things out of the backfield. The tight end so important. And, you know, we're paying Tyler Croft this money, and he's really not doing anything in the passing game. Lee Smith's been inactive for the first two games. You know, Reggie Gilliam caught his first touchdown. Congrats to him. But he's going to be more of that utility tight end fullback type for the Bills offense. Um, you know, I thought Joe DiBiase quoted it perfectly from WGR that if the Bills have the opportunity to go and get a guy like Zach Ertz, who is currently unhappy um, with his situation in Philadelphia, that's a Super Bowl type move, as he said. And, you know, I'm not going to go full, you know, we got to get rid of Dawson Knox or anything like that. I think Dawson Knox has a ton of talent, and it's only a second year, a few games in. Um, it's just one of those that as the season progresses, if he can't clean up those issues, that's going to be a major problem. Um, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano made themselves a ton of money yesterday. Um, because the defense showed that they are a complete liability without those two on the field. Um, Josh Norman as well. You know, I don't think that 
um, AJ Klein, Dotson, and you know those guys played bad by any means. I think for what the circumstances were, they stepped in, and for a good chunk of the game that they stepped up. But you know you could just tell that the defense wasn't in um, in as sync as they usually are. You know Edmonds is a huge voice and pretty much the leader on that defense, and without him and Milano there. You could just tell that the Dolphins were having their way with the tight end. You know, you saw Mike Kosicki have a career day. The run game could have been a little bit stronger. Um, you know, I think the pass game would have changed a little bit more because Milano's and Edmonds' ability to kind of fly around the field from that aspect as well. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing, too, with the defense is I think prevent defense is just stupid. I don't understand why the Bills continually do it because realistically the Bills should have won this game 31-21. But every time for some reason when we get a two-possession lead late in the game with, you know, three, four minutes left, McDermott and Frazier are just accustomed to dropping back into, you know, a cover zone look and are content with giving up five to eight yards per play as long as we're keeping them in bounds. And they kind of just let them go down the field and take time off and kind of just hope that the defense either is going to get a stop or they're going to hold them to a field goal or if they do score like they did yesterday that there's just not enough time left for the Dolphins to do anything which I understand from the perspective of in the NFL at the end of the day your goal is to win and the Bills won yesterday and they're 2-0 and they deserve credit for that and you know McDermott and Frazier are great coaches same thing with um you know Brian Dable I think he's shown that he's becoming a great offensive coordinator in this league um, I just think from a Bills fan perspective, it's very irritating because we should be winning these games by a lot more points. That's another negative is that, yes, you're 2-0 and against divisional opponents, which is huge, especially because they're AFC opponents, which could be big for playoff purposes down the line. But you should have beat the Jets by 30 in Week 1. You should have beat the Dolphins probably by 14-plus this week. I will say because of the delay, that definitely ruined the flow of the game for the Bills. So... You know, I'm not going to go too deep into it. And like I said, you know, missing Milano and Edmonds, I'm not here to say that the Bills still shouldn't beat the Dolphins without those two because they did yesterday and they still should have. But those are two huge components to your defense and what makes your defense elite in the NFL and top five. So, you know, I'm not going to get too worried about it. Um, I think the Rams game this week is going to be a huge test. I think when you get to face the Kansas Cities, the 49ers of the world, um, you're really going to see what can happen. I don't think you're going to see as much of a prevent defense against those type of teams. Uh, Levi Wallace had a awful day yesterday. He was getting targeted by Ryan Fitzpatrick over and over. Um, he did make a few nice plays throughout the game, including on the goal line stand, even though that should have been a touchdown. He did hit the defender hard enough that he wasn't able to hold on to the ball, even though he still should have caught it. And I think that's why Josh Norman is going to be so huge when he comes back. Um, I still think Levi Wallace has a good amount of talent, and he's definitely not, you know, a bad cornerback to have outside or outside of Tredavious White. But I think Josh Norman is definitely going to be an upgrade for them. So those are really the only negatives I took away from the game. Um, positive, I think, you know, there are so many positives to take away from this game, especially on the offensive side of the ball. The Bills offense looked great. I thought Brian Dable had an excellent game plan. I think he called a lot of really good plays. You saw Josh not run nearly as much yesterday. 
And I think Josh Allen yesterday truly proved um, what a lot of people, including myself, have been waiting on is that he is a franchise quarterback. And people can make jokes and laugh and say it's against the Jets and it's against the Dolphins and whatever you want to say. But if you look at what Josh has done over the three years now, this being his third year, and the progressions he is making and the steps he's taking as a quarterback as far as completion percentage, you know, yards per attempt, yards per game, touchdowns to interception ratio, all the statistical categories. You can go on ESPN today. He's on first take. You have Dan Orlovsky saying that Josh Allen through two weeks is the MVP of the league. You know, all these people now that were critics of Josh Allen suddenly love him. And, you know, I never want to listen to pro football focus because I think that some of their opinions are very skewed. Um, you know, yesterday, a lot of them were like, oh, congrats, Josh Allen played very well, but it's against the Dolphins and against the Jets, whatever. Meanwhile, they'll praise Cam Newton for what he did against the Dolphins. And it's just, it makes no sense. Granted, Cam Newton had a very good game last night against the Seattle Seahawks will give him credit for proving people wrong. Um, But, you know, yesterday, Josh, 24 of 35, 417 yards and four touchdowns. He's the only player in Bill's history to have 400 yards and four touchdowns in a single game. He had his first 300-yard game last week. Then he goes for 417 yesterday, which actually could have been closer to 500. um, Actually, probably closer to 450, excuse me, if the Dawson Knox, you know, fumble doesn't happen because he never gets the yardage for that and you know the deep ball was there yesterday he connected with brown he connected with beasley he connected with Diggs on multiple occasions and when this was the perfect example of a team growing mcdermott growing as a coach the offense dable everyone growing as a team um, I saw this stat yesterday on Twitter, and it, I don't remember who it was, so sorry for not being able to credit you right now, but um, this was the first time since 2011 in which the Bills won a game where the defense allowed 28 points. That says a lot about the Bills' offense. This is a lot about Josh Allen. You know, there was definitely a lot of panic yesterday across, you know, Bills' Twitter or whatever you want to call it. Um, when the Dolphins took the 20-17 to 17 lead because we've seen it in the past and it's kind of like, oh man, the defense usually bails us out then the offense can't get it done. What happens? Josh, first play, delivers a strike to Diggs about 45, 50 yards downfield, continues to drive, ends up throwing an incredible touchdown to Gabriel Davis who made an outstanding catch and then late in the game for offense, instead of getting conservative and just running the ball and trying to kill clock, what do they do? They go for the kill shot and hit John Brown on a 50-yard bomb to seal the deal. And Josh Allen, the whole offense, which looked like just they were in sync and having fun. Um, Stephon Diggs is elite. Eight catches, 153 yards, one touchdown. He's ex- proving exactly why the Bills made that trade. Stephon Diggs had more yardage yesterday receiving than the entire offense of the Minnesota Vikings yesterday. You know, everyone laughed at the Bills for giving up what they did, but it's proving them wrong only two weeks in. Um, another positive, Tyrell Dotson for being an undrafted rookie last year and serving his suspension, whatever, the Bills stuck with him. Had an amazing game yesterday, eight tackles, two pass deflections. Jordan Poyer, another really strong game, stepped up big time for them. Um, 
And Bill's offensive line has been incredible so far, giving Josh a ton of time in the pocket. The only sack he took yesterday was completely on him. Uh, so credit to the Bills offensive line. And one more stat I want to throw out for positives before I move on to the week three preview first to Rams. 700, fit, 700 plus passing yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions in the first two weeks. It's only been done by three other people before yesterday. Peyton Manning 2013, Tom Brady in 2015, and Patrick Mahomes in 2019. And Josh Allen joins that company. He's going to continue trending in the right direction. And he is definitely proving myself as well as everyone of the doubters wrong that he is a franchise quarterback. Um, moving on to the Rams game, I just want to do a quick preview of that just because on Fridays, as you guys all know, um, I do a lot of other sports topics other than Buffalo Bills stuff and Sabres and Buffalo sports in general. So I just want to give a quick preview for this game, um, just some of the things that we got to look out for. I think the number one storyline has got to be Stephon Diggs versus Jalen Ramsey. I think that's an elite matchup of an elite wide receiver against one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. He just got paid a ton of money more than Tredavious White, even though I think Trey White's a better corner overall. Um, you know Stephon Diggs and Jalen Ramsey are both trash talkers, so that's going to be a great matchup to watch. Um, the Bills' offensive line, as I just mentioned, has been terrific so far, but now they have to go up against Aaron Donald, the best defensive lineman in the game. Um, one of the best defensive linemen ever, to be quite honest with you. He's just a one-man wrecking crew. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Bills are going to be able to establish the run against this team, as well as being able to maintain Donald from getting to Allen. Um, it's definitely going to be a big week for Josh Allen as well, just because you still have a lot of the people that are going to say that he performed well against two bad teams. Well, the Rams are a very good team. They're very well coached by Sean McVay. They have a very strong defense. Um... I think this is a big opportunity for Josh to prove, continue to prove people wrong. I think he is going to have a good day. You know, I think Stephon Diggs is going to pick his moments and is going to be able to get open on Jalen Ramsey. And I think it's going to be a big day for John Brown and Cole Beasley. Um, I also think Devin Singletary is going to have some nice matchups out of the backfield against their linebackers, who I don't think cover um, as well. And then Zach Moss, we'll see what he does um, in this game. I think no fans is going to play a big factor, especially in, you know, these type of games, you know, the Kansas City's, the Rams, the Seahawks type games where fans can make a huge difference for the Bills. You're gonna, I think it's going to play a little bit of a part in this game. Um, Edmonds and Milano injury concerns are obviously huge. If they don't play, um, I do think it's going to be very difficult for the Bills to win this game just based on what I saw them do against the Dolphins. Um, with those two out on the defense side of the ball, could have Tyler Higby having a huge game if those two guys don't play. Um, the Rams D is only allowed 17 and 19 points in their first two games, respectively. So, you know, the Bills offense definitely has to do something to get that done. The only thing that I do like as far as the Bills go um, against the Rams for defensive purposes is they have a lot of shifty wide receivers, but they don't really have, you know, a big body number one. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see Tredavious White kind of follow Robert Woods around. He's kind of a gadget wide receiver. Um, I think Teron Johnson, you'll see him a little bit on Cooper Cup. Um, I'm not really sure who they're going to put on Levi Wallace, maybe Josh Reynolds. Um, we will see about that. Or their uh, rookie, Van Jefferson, who I think had a really nice camp for them. Um, he showed a lot of promise on hard knocks. So definitely going to be an interesting matchup. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it's a game the Bills can win as long as Edmonds and Milano are healthy. Even if they're not, I think the Bills are going to be able to stay in the game. But I think it would be a potential close loss if they both don't play. 
but we will see in the upcoming week about those injuries. But overall, Josh Allen, huge week. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets Offensive Player of the Week in the AFC or AFC overall. And he's definitely putting himself right in that MVP conversation to start the season. Um, moving on to the Buffalo Sabres for the final topic of today's podcast. Uh, as I mentioned at the startup show, the Sabres made their first trade of the Kevin Adams era, inquiring center Marks, Eric Stahl excuse me, from the Minnesota Wild in exchange for Marks Johansson um, from the Sabres. Johansson didn't have a great year for us last year. I thought he was going to produce a lot more. He did deal with a little bit of some injury concerns. But the other thing was Marks Johansson was playing a little bit out of position. He's normally a winger, and he played center pretty much the entire season for us. Minnesota said they're probably going to use him at center, so we'll see how that experiment continues to go. Again, I just want to go through the positive and negatives of this trade. Um, at first instinct, um, I didn't love the trade at first, you know, getting to take some time to look into it a little more. Um, I don't hate the trade. I still think for me it's going to be I have to see how Stahl plays for me to really evaluate it. Um, I think with certain trades, you can kind of immediately right off the bat be like, yes, I love this trade. Yes, I hate this trade. Like when the Bills traded for Stephon Diggs, it was an immediate, I love this trade because you knew you probably weren't going to have preseason. Um, you didn't want to have to rely on a rookie wide receiver to come in and make an immediate impact. Um, your first round pick was late anyway. All the elite receivers were pretty much gone by then. You traded away a few fourth round picks that you got in dumping off players like Wyatt Teller to other teams. So, and I know Brandon Bean will find a way to accumulate more draft picks in the future anyway. This one is just hard to evaluate just because there's so many factors. Um, and the thing with this, for me, is this can't be the only move that the Sabres make. Thinking that just getting Eric Stahl is going to be, you know, the the game or like the lifesaver for the Sabres organization is completely false. I think it's a good start. Um, a lot of people on Twitter, especially from Sabres media, like the move overall. Um, like I said, I'm going to wait and see. If I had to give it a grade out of a 10 scale, i give it a 6.5. Um, you know, looking at the positives of it, the Sabres do save $1.25 million in cap space. They definitely addressed the need at center, which they lacked very much last year. Um, I do like the fact that because Eric Stahl has been in this league for so long, he's going to be a great mentor for Dylan Cousins. Dylan Cousins better have his notebook out and taking plenty of notes from him and Jack Eichel. I also think that um, Stahl is going to help Eichel in a lot of leadership qualities um, and just helping the locker room overall. And, you know, I think people hate when you say, oh, they have playoff experience and they're a good locker room guy because the Sabres have been saying that about a bunch of players they've brought in. You look at what you know, Botterill did and bringing in some veteran players like Wayne Simmons and Johansson and all these other guys. But Eric Stahl is a different player. Eric Stahl has been a prolific scorer, a renowned star in this league. He's won a Stanley Cup. You know, he's been around the league for a long time. He is 35 years old. Um, and I think he brings a different presence to a locker room than some of these other veteran players do. Like Eric Stahl is someone that is very well respected around the league compared to maybe some of the other guys that we've brought in in the past. I do like that he has a history with Jeff Skinner. I believe that's going to allow the Sabres to keep both Eichel, or excuse me, Reinhardt and Olofsson on a line with Eichel. 
and giving Jeff Skinner a little bit of a guy he's more familiar with who is a natural center and you can have him on the second line where it's clear that Ralph Kruger wanted to separate Eichel and Skinner just from a scoring perspective. I also think it allows Dylan Cousins to potentially be on that second line on the right wing. Um, it's been talked about that maybe you don't want to rush him right away. And I think that stall move also helps that he you have the flexibility to have him at third line center or second line right wing. Or maybe it's Cahoon that slides into that spot. Maybe even Tage Thompson. You want to see um, what his value truly is and if you need to move on from him. And, you know, I think Dylan Cousins is definitely going to make this team. I don't see any way he doesn't. Um, you know, Stahl is also 6'4". He's a very gritty player. He's a consistent 20-goal scorer. Um, like I said, he's consistently healthy as well. But the flexibility thing is also really nice for the Sabres. Like I said, I hope this isn't the only move they're going to make. Um, the only negatives I really see out of this trade, though, um, obviously age is a concern. You know, he's 35 compared to Johansson, who is 29. Um, the production has consistently dropped over the past three years. Going back to 2017-18, after he his first year in Minnesota, having a 42-goal season, including 34 assists for 76 points. Then 2018-19, he has 22 goals, 30 assists for 52. Then this past season, 19 goals, 28 assists for 47 points. So not a huge drop-off. I think you could kind of expect that as he goes up there in age. But it's something that I still want to see him being able to produce 55-65 points for this team. I think... A successful season for Eric Stahl for the Sabres this year would be scoring anywhere from 20 to 25 goals and having 35 to 40 assists. I think that'd be great for him and for our organization. Um, I also don't love the move from the perspective of it's only going to be a one or two year thing. It's not going to be a long term center fix. And I understand it from the perspective, yes, you need to buy Dylan Cousins time. But at the same time, I feel like you would have been better served going getting another second line center who's anywhere from, you know, 25 to 30 years old who is going to either stay your second line center or if Dylan Cousins overtakes him is going to slide into that third line role. And maybe that happens next year and you keep stall for another year, but I don't see him playing outside another two, three years. So um, I don't know if I like it from that perspective either. And then the last thing that really worries me is that We've kind of seen it with before with Bottero. Bottero brings in all these guys that he knows or has relationships with, whether it's Connor Sheary, Matt Hunwick, Jimmy VC, whoever you want to say. You bring in a guy because you're comfortable with them. And for the Sabres, when they brought in those guys, you know, it bit them in the butt and it didn't work. Um, I think Eric Stahl's a lot better than any of the players Bottero brought in from that perspective, but it's still a wait and see to me. Um, you know, Kevin Adams still to me is going to be a Pagula yes man. I want to see him make some more bold moves. Um, I'd say overall it's a good start. You address the center need. Um, I like Eric Stahl as a player. I think he'll fit in, um, especially just because of the fit with Skinner. But like I said, I do want to have a wait and see approach just because with the Buffalo Sabres at this point, they haven't done anything for their fans to, you know, warrant giving them, you know, the praise and stuff that they deserve you know it's kind of always going to be a wait and see from here on out because we've just been so you know the fans just haven't gotten what they've deserved for the past nine ten years we've let so many free agents go away we've overpaid bad free agents we haven't gotten our superstar a top 10 player in the league jack Eichel help so it's definitely gonna be a wait and see for me but um overall i think it's a decent move to start but 
um i think we still have a lot more moves to make but that's gonna do it for today's episode everyone i appreciate everyone for tuning in like i said before i hope everyone's staying safe and healthy please give me a follow on instagram at english encore podcast i'll be back on friday i'll be going through some of the biggest storylines in the nfl including coaches on the hot seat i'll be going through the stanley cup playoffs and then i'll be talking about the nba playoffs and who i think is going to be in the nba finals and who will um, win that championship that's gonna do it this has been english encore podcast buffalo's favorite sports channel